Don't worry. Be happy. Many people don't know that Bobby McFerrin got those words from a poster he saw of uh, Meher Baba, who was one of the great spiritual teachers of the last century. And uh, Meher Baba was born in Pune, India, but of Zoroastrian parents from Iran. And combined the Zoroastrian with the Vedantic and the Sufi traditions to come out with a very uh, powerful version of the perennial philosophy. And he called himself an avatar, even the avatar of the age. That may not have sounded very humble, but his teaching was actually very powerful, as was his energy field. And the full uh, message was not just don't worry, be happy. It was do your best, then don't worry. Be happy in my love, my with a capital M, my love. I will help you. This is, of course, being spoken as the voice of God. And so out of context, the don't worry, be happy is like whistling past the graveyard. But if you're happy in God's love, then you will receive power, grace, support, energy, shakti, to succeed in what you're doing. And if what you're doing is an act of karma yoga, is an act of service, is not simply for the ego's pleasure or benefit, but to serve God and serve the world, then you will be happy because you will receive God's love and you will receive God's help. And the trust in that help is what enables you to let go of worries and to be happy. I think outside of that context, uh, the message is a bit facile and superficial. But within the full context of one's spiritual surrender to God, then it has great depth. And of course it is spoken, the voice of God, through the teacher. And many people don't understand the necessity of those two relationships that the teacher is the father on the physical level, but the spiritual father, the supreme father, needs to be met through an intermediary when one is still in an ego state because one cannot fully download the nuances of the message and the energy of God until one has grown to a relatively high state. And so there is a, an apprenticeship period it's very odd that this is something that people resist greatly today. No one would resist uh, going to medical school before trying to be a brain surgeon. No one would resist even going to study auto mechanics with a teacher rather than starting to fix your car without having studied with anyone. No one would think of being an architect without having studied with a teacher. But they think you can study the most difficult of all subjects 
the most elevated, the most subtle, without having a teacher. And in nearly every case, this is an illusion that really just serves the ego's not wanting to dissolve and face God. But this is everyone's choice and everyone has their own path to discovery of the real self. And the teacher's job is to mirror back what is both accurate and inaccurate to help the student to discover that their ego self is not their real self. And so whatever negative feelings they're holding about themselves, whether it's shame or guilt or a false sense of weakness or a false sense of uh, lack, this illusion can be let go of because what one sees returning from the gaze of the teacher is one's divinity, not one's egoity. And so one becomes empowered by getting a different kind of message about oneself, a different kind of feedback than one probably got from one's parents or one gets from school or society. And that outside of the spiritual context, in the context of a transformational community in which people come together in order to transcend the ego, to let go of a false identity full of defects and shame and guilt and negativity. The outer world out there resists your transcendence and your self-realization. It, it will ridicule, it will reject, it will ostracize and stigmatize one who is on this path or lead one down spurious and pseudo paths to what might seem like liberation but often turns into more uh, and bondage, more enslavement as for example through the use of drugs and other means that seem to raise one's consciousness but actually create dependencies and physical symptoms and damage <clears throat> that actually delay one's ability to transcend And so the secret of not worrying and being happy is to live a life that is according to the Dharma in which one, by acting with integrity and with consistency and with love for God, <coughs> easily overcomes the gravity of the ego and transcends to those levels of divine love in which the wisdom and the power of God are there to help you constantly and to face and go past whatever obstacles would otherwise hold you back. And as we come together in a satsang like this in order to meditate, to create an energy field of love and of light and of bliss, uh, that energy field itself will act like an updraft to help you rise into the presence of God but only if you are willing to annihilate the ego the false identity and not to resist it and to give yourself to God 
which you ultimately discover is your own real self. But it's this dual loyalty. One part wants God, the real part, the soul, but the ego wants the lower nature identified with matter and with mind. And the ego mind cannot stop worrying. The ego mind is basically simply a a complete uh, melodrama of worry. It's based on worry. It's based on fear and anxiety and defenses against that. And so until one gains the power to silence the ego mind, the worry cannot stop. And so meditation is the practice of divine silence in which we empty the mind of ego thoughts but we fill the mind with the presence of God. We evoke that presence. Not with some imaginary belief in God but with the actual power of the innermost essence of our being. And by eliminating the ego mind, the false sense of duality falls away naturally without having to fight it, without struggling with it. And the silence comes as a manifestation of grace and of peace and serenity that washes away the worries and the self-betrayals and the feelings of weakness. And the past as a whole is eventually washed away and one can live in the present. Without that cleansing and purification of the ego mind and particularly its deeper unconscious repressed levels, the worry never stops. And so this purification period of the work is the most difficult because in order to purify the lower mind we have to bring up those energies and so one often thinks that one's worse off in the spiritual path than one was before one entered it because in the flushing out of all the mud that's at the bottom of the soul it comes to the surface and the water is muddier than it was to begin with but as it gets flushed out then one understands what the purity of soul consciousness is all about. But in the meantime, there will be moments of anger and terror and hatred, and often they will get projected on the teacher. They'll get projected on the Sangha. They'll get projected on the Dharma. They'll get projected on God. And one has to have at least some margin of witnessing that acting out of the ego mind and not buying into it in order to flush it out and not be trapped by it into living some very negative hell realm existence. But in that process of letting it go and realize that one is not being judged by the teacher or by God, one can experience a kind of... uh, of serenity of self-forgiveness that is otherwise not possible. And it's this realizing you are forgiven by God that enables you to forgive yourself that releases the guilt complexes that one didn't even know one had. 
that are the heaviest weights in the soul. And in that, all of the negative karma from the past tends to come up and pass before one's mind as it does in a near-death experience. And if it can be let go of and not held on to as a, a signifier of one's failure, then freedom happens very easily and very naturally and very quickly. And therefore the disidentification from the ego mind and everything that's in it is essential to your liberation. It will come up with great power. It will take you over. You will feel possessed by it at times. At least many will. But if you keep some margin of loveful connection to the teacher, then that will enable you to offer this to God and to be free of whatever negative feelings you hold about yourself and about reality. And when that has been vomited out, and you are freed from it forever, you'll feel a lightness that you've never felt before. That will also allow in the blissful energy of God that had been blocked by these feelings. And then from there, the path to, to liberation is very short. And the amount of wisdom that is gained through the letting go of whatever negative complexes, feelings, attitudes, <coughs> desires, and fears that are balled up in the ego complex. is turned into a very deep understanding of humanity and a very deep compassion that makes one into a true bodhisattva. And it's then that the feeling function of divine love opens up. One's heart opens to the maximum. And one is liberated to serve as an avatar without having to declare that to anyone, but simply in the immediacy of the union of the self and God as one. Life becomes simply a joyous act of blissful service. And this service enables the restoration of our world into a kingdom of heaven. There is nothing more fulfilling, more gratifying, more ennobling, more, more enriching, more delightful, and creating a new world. So, let us kill in ourselves what is old, what is negative, what is egoic, what is demonic, what is harmful, and be reborn ourselves and then give rebirth to this world in the image of God. This is basically the work of a yogi.
Let's meditate.